Welcome to the H&E Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through discussions on church history, biblical spirituality, the Bible, Christian living, and theology. Shall we get started? Welcome back to the Hesed and Emmett podcast. I'm Chance Faulkner, your host, and today I'm with Dr. Jonathan Griffiths. Dr. Griffiths has his PhD from the University of Cambridge, and he is the author of several books, including Preaching in the New Testament, uh, that's the New Studies in Biblical Theology series by IVP, and most recently, and the book that will take up the subject of our conversation is living by faith in turbulent times. So Jonathan, thanks for joining us. And why don't you start off by telling us a little more about yourself? Oh, thanks, Chance. Well, it's a, it's a privilege to be with you and delighted to have this time to chat together about Hebrews and about this new book. Um, well, as you mentioned, I did my studies in Cambridge in, in the UK on the book of Hebrews. I completed a PhD thinking about the theology of the word of God in Hebrews. And that was sort of the start of my interest in this book at a sort of academic and study level. But I, I now serve as a, as a church pastor in Ottawa, the Metropolitan Bible Church, or the Met, as it is often known, where I've had the privilege of serving since 2016. And we're based here in Ottawa, I'm married to Gemma, and we've got three young kids who uh, keep us much engaged and much uh, amused and energized and all the rest that goes with with parenting, which is uh, a great privilege. Can you tell us a little bit more about this new book, Living by Faith in Turbulent Times? Yeah, delighted to. Well, it, this has been a really exciting project to work on together with you, Chance, and to bring to fruition relatively quickly. Uh, we found ourselves at the church at the Met working through the book of Hebrews. And at the time that the coronavirus pandemic struck, we were just about to embark on Hebrews chapter 11 with its great theme of living by faith. And immediately as a church family, we felt that Hebrews 11 was such a timely word for us, such a timely passage of scripture. And one of the things that I noticed as I was studying that rich chapter in preparation for preaching it is that the models of faith that are given there in Hebrews 11 are, are models of faith of, of people who had to exercise faith and live out faith in the midst of uncertain and challenging and sometimes very, very daunting circumstances. And we found ourselves at the Met resonating with these characters of faith um, in, in the challenges of life as we sought to learn from them through the word of God what it looks like to live by faith. It felt like a very, very timely word. And as I worked through these expositions, it struck me that there, there could be something here that could be made into a, a relatively brief book that could bring encouragement to believers um, who are seeking to live by faith through a very strange and challenging time in world history, really. And, and I felt as well that there was a message of hope for unbelievers who might consider the claims of Christ um, and the, the, the claims of the word of God and might consider responding in faith to this one God who can give us hope in the midst of, of turbulent 
uh, times. So I felt that there might be a, a, a brief book here and Chance engaging with you, you, you felt there might be two. And so this book is really the product of those studies and flowed out of the, the preaching over a number of weeks at the Met. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, I know I've been blessed, obviously, working through it with you. But then even this morning, as I've read it, I was just so so encouraged by your labor and what I just encouraged to really put my foot forward in, in holding on to Christ and, and living by faith. So uh, thanks for your labors there. Um, so you know, when we talk about living by faith, could you tell us what is faith and what does it look like in practical terms uh, to live by it? It's really, it's really very interesting. I mean, Hebrews 11, I think, seeks to be the answer to that question that you've just posed. And so trying to give a one-line answer maybe is a little unsatisfactory and is, is too compressed. But I, but I do think that the opening of Hebrews 11 is very, very significant for a key answer from the scriptures to that question. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. And one of the things going on in Hebrews in the background there is that um, these believers from a Jewish background, I believe, are being tempted one way or another to return to Judaism with its very tangible religious rites, you know, the, the, the temple and the synagogue and the sacrificial system and uh, the, the Levitical priesthood and so on. And, and within that system, that religious system, there is comfort to be found in the tangibility of what can be seen and felt and engaged with in, in this world. And part of the huge challenge that Hebrews is, po is, is posing to these original hearers, these original readers, is to continue trusting in the unseen promises of God and the, in, the, in the ministry of the great high priest who is now ascended on high, and is not visible to our eyes, but, but whom we apprehend by faith. And so the writer wants to emphasize for us that faith by its very design is putting our trust, our hope in unseen realities, which are true, just as true as anything we see or feel or, 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 or handle, um, but yet are unseen. And, and so we place our confidence in things that are above unseen and things that are yet to come, which are future realities. And all the models in Hebrews 11 are of people who did that, who were willing actually to hold very lightly to the things of this world, um, to the places that were dear to them, uh, to possessions, to status within human society, um, to their own personal physical safety as well, because they had this assurance of things that they hoped for based on the promises of the word of God. They had a conviction that unseen things were true and were real. And when we start to understand faith in those terms, it becomes a very, very practical thing to live by faith because we say, well, look, there are threats around me which are frightening, but I'm not going to be shaken because I believe in the promises of God. There are things around me that entice me, but I'm, I'm not going to be waylaid by them on my journey of faith because I'm going to hope in the greater things yet to come. And I'm going to be a person who lives for the unseen things that are promised to me by God himself and his word. So that in a, in a nutshell, and in a roundabout way, I think is what Hebrews teaches us about faith here in, in, in chapter 11. Oh, that's great. I'm already so encouraged we could end this podcast now. That's great. I'm. I'm. I think this book is going to be really helpful. So, speaking of the models, and one particular that you mentioned is you mentioned Abel, and how his faith was was displayed in what he gave to God. 
which is something that I don't often think of. We, when we think of faith, we don't think of necessarily us giving to God, uh, but really in one sense receiving from God. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little more about that section of your book and Abel? Well, Abel's really interesting, isn't he? And um, the fact that he is, he is put here as a model of faith, and he's mentioned again, if I uh, remember rightly, in chapter 12, very, very fascinating. And Hebrews sees something in the story of Abel, which models the kind of faith he's talking about here in the unseen realities of the word of God. Um, and, and to get to grips with that, one of the things we need to understand about Hebrews is that Hebrews is a Bible expositor. So Hebrews, the guy who wrote Hebrews, and we could have a very interesting conversation about that, although I'm not proposing we have that conversation because I don't know ultimately who wrote Hebrews. Um, but uh, whoever wrote Hebrews was someone who mined the text of Scripture for its riches. And so he, you know, he was expounding the Old Testament Scriptures very definitely in the way in which he um, in, engages with these characters uh, here in chapter 11. And so it, it's perfectly appropriate to go back to Genesis 4 and to ask, well, what is it here in the text that he's noticed about faith and the offering of, of that, that Abel that the that Abel gave, and I'll just mention it here. It's so brief. Let me. I'll even read it. Genesis four and verse two. I'll start from verse one. Now Adam knew his uh, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord." And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell and, and, and the story develops from there, of course. Um, and so we asked him, what is it about this that, that Hebrew says demonstrates faith in, in Abel's life? And of course, there is the suggestion, and it's, it's not without merit, that um, Abel, as a keeper of um, sheep, was able to make an animal offering. And we know that the Lord... Um, has a special regard for animal offerings through the sacrificial system. And, and, and as we trace things forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, the symbolism of, of, of a lamb is, is very significant, that the lamb of God was given for the sins of the world. That's not inconsequential. And I think there's a real gospel picture here, even in Genesis 4. But I don't think that's the only or even the main thing that Hebrews is drawing out here in terms of Abel's model of faith. It's not simply that he was a farmer who kept animals as opposed to Cain, who was a worker of the soil. I think there's there's more going on. And I think when we notice that Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, he brought something from his, his crop. Abel brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And I think those descriptors in Genesis mean something. I think they're of substance. And it seems to me that giving the firstborn and the fat portions tells us something about the nature of faith. If you are a farmer who keeps flock, uh, who keeps animals, if in the spring you give your firstborn, you are, and you do that as an act of, of faith to the Lord, you give to the Lord your firstborn, you are giving up your insurance for the rest of the year. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the flock. You don't know if others are going to be born. You don't know how that's going to, the lambing season is going to go. 
you don't know if there are going to be health difficulties, if disease will come to whatever. But if you give your firstborn, you're giving up your insurance really for the for the season. And you're saying, I think in essence to the Lord, I trust you for the future. This is the future um, that he's giving. Um, and then if you give the fat portions, you know, the 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 the, um, the portions that would command the best price at market or make the greatest banquet in your home, you're saying something about faith as well. If giving the firstborn says, Lord, I trust you for the future, giving the first portions says to the Lord, I believe you're worthy. I believe you're worthy of my very best. Now, for able to do that. And this, we're outside the garden, so he's, he, you know, he's not walking with the Lord in the cool of the day like his father did. Abel is doing this as an act of faith in the unseen God. And he says, I, I haven't seen you necessarily, but my ears have heard of you. And I believe that you're worthy of my very, very best. And of course, we think about then that, that that's about faith, but it's very practical. It's about giving. And I, it struck me then in, in expounding this and in writing about it in the book, that um, there are huge lessons for me and, and for, for you in terms of faith when it comes to our giving. Our giving, financial giving to the people of God, to the work of the gospel, to the church of Jesus Christ, it will in some measure um, be an indicator of our faith. And if we give very little, it either says, I'm terrified about the, the future, I mean, as a portion of what we have and available. If we give very little proportionately, it, it says, I'm terrified about the future and I need to hang on to this for security. Or it says, you know what, I've got plenty, but I just, I think I, I'd rather spend it on myself <laughs> uh, or whatever, you know. But, but, it, but generous giving is a mark of faith. And uh, I thought I, I learned something from Abel in that myself. You have two excellent quotes on that section. So the first one is, uh, in the days when the world economy is in crisis and many jobs are looking precarious and many retirement funds have been impacted, will our handling of our money and possessions flow from faith or fear? And then you said, as an act of faith, will we give God our very best, the best of our energy, the best of our abilities, the best of our time, the rich portions of our finances and possessions, even as Abel did? Or will we follow Cain and give him only something? So uh, you have a chapter on of seeing with the eyes of faith. Can you can you give us sort of what does that even mean? What does it mean to see with the eyes of faith? Well, I guess it 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 cuts really to the heart of the definition of faith that that um, that Hebrews gives us. So you know, faith is the conviction of things not seen, um, and and with by faith we look to realities that are revealed to us in the Word of God, but which we have not seen with our eyes. And uh, we trust God for those. And we navigate life with the eyes of, of faith given by the word of God, but not with our, our simply our physical eyes, which only tell us so much. And, and I think various of the figures within Hebrews 11 really model that for us in a, in a profound and a, a, a powerful way. So, you know, you think of uh, Abraham and Sarah leaving you know abraham's homeland and presumably some kind of an inheritance he would have had there um but the lord tapped abraham or abram as he was then on the shoulder in genesis 12 and said look i'm 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 going to give you a land and i want to i want you to go there and in in response to the word of god he he packs up with you know with his family and he goes 
And, and it was all on the basis of promise. And we're told this in verse 10 that, well, I'll start in verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. His eyes were fixed on the city promised to him, but which he hadn't seen. And he actually believed that that city was in a, in a way more substantial than the homeland that he left. Um, it had foundations. This is a solid place. This is a lasting place. Um, and then summing up what's been said, Hebrews says in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Now, they didn't physically see them. I mean, with their eyes, they didn't see these things. But with the eyes of faith, the eyes of their heart, in response to the word of God, they saw them. And that's the eyes of faith. Uh, there's another type of sight involved here, and it gives us true information, information upon which we can base our lives. But it's a different kind of perception, a different type type of sight. And it is what faith's all about, as far as I can tell. Yeah, Hebrews is such a wonderful uh, book, encouragement. And, and one thing I find myself not doing enough is actually looking to the city that is unseen. You know, so much of my own life is about here and now. And as I, you know, have read your book and as I, you know, realize my own sin and shortcomings and my own failures and, you know, the, the mess of our world, uh, I've just, just long and yearn for uh, a better home and heaven and to be with Christ. So that's such a, a good reminder to me and to all of us. Well, uh, before we wrap up here, any last words that you want to say about the book or anything like that? My hope for the, the book and my prayer for the book is that it will be something which nourishes believers for this time. And I, I think one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about myself and I'd encourage listeners to think about is, is there a believer in your life who you know has been shaken by recent events with the, um, with the pandemic, who is struggling to navigate this trustingly and to make sense of it? My my hope and my prayer is that this book would come as a word of encouragement to people who are needing help to live by faith at the present time. And it may, there may be some believers in your life to whom you could give this brief book as an encouragement. It's meant to be readable. It's not long. It's written in a very conversational way. And I trust it'll be accessible. I, I, I think the other kind of reader you know we've got in view is someone who is who is open to discussing matters of faith. Um, who has who has some interest in learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ and about what the Bible teaches, but maybe has not made a personal commitment and response to the offer of the gospel. Um, but again, who is thinking deeply about spiritual things and about security and the future because of current events. And I, I'd love to commend this little book as a, a book that you could give to such a person as well. Um, we hope it will have that dual purpose of speaking to believers and unbelievers, particularly at the present time. It's, it's not just for coronavirus. We trust it'll be useful well beyond this present crisis, but I, I, I trust it will be particularly relevant just now. Yeah, that's, I think one of the, the most helpful parts of the, the book is how concise, and it's only 20,000 words, 
So even if you're a slow reader, you can do that in about two hours. That's uh, an evening or that's a couple of evenings and you'll be encouraged, you'll be blessed, uh, you'll be enriched, and then you can pass it off to someone else that you know. I know, uh, I know that I've been blessed by it and I know that uh, many others will be as well. And now, Jonathan, before we wrap up, I have two things I want to run by you is one, uh, are there any future projects that you're currently working on? Oh, you know, Chance, I've, I've, I've got a number of projects that are at various stages of being on the go. And with the busy life in ministry um, at our church in Ottawa, that they always move much more slowly than I, I, I wish they would. Um, but I am, I am at, the, at present trying to um, develop a work based on some preaching that I'd done on the attributes of God. We had, we've just completed a series which we've entitled Who is Like Our God? I think we did maybe 16 attributes of God as a thematic study. I, I normally preach through books of the Bible, but this was a thematic study. And I, I've enjoyed hugely my reading and research on that. And I have felt that there is a place perhaps for um, a book on this subject. So there, there is some work going on on that just in the minute. And it, it may well be that those 16 attributes become two books. That's what I'm thinking just at the minute. Um, I am due to be writing a preacher's commentary on Hebrews. Now, that has been in the works for some years now. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit. I was meant to be getting back to it this week, and the week is, um, is flying away with me. So I, I don't know whether I'm going to get pen to paper this week, but I, I, I have that as something that I would very much like, like to pursue. And then there are a number of other things going on. <laughs> I shared with you. That we're also launching a new radio ministry um, and that's taking up quite a lot of my time a new ministry in, entitled encounter the truth which is going to be uh, broadcast in a number of canadian cities beginning in august um, and that will be a, a podcast as well so that's an exciting new ministry initiative um, which is is also taking up a certain amount of uh, attention just now so there's there's plenty going on is there a website or anything that you guys have ready or not yet well, the website is just being built. I just saw I just saw the preview of it yesterday, um, and that's going to be available. Encounter the truth. In fact, it's going to be available .com, .org, or .ca, whichever you like, um, and that goes live in a, in in about two and a half weeks. That's great. Oh, great! I'll I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Is there anything particular that you are reading right now? Well, I'm in a bit of a I, I, I'm in a bit of a transition. My study has been particularly focused, as I just mentioned, on the attributes of God. I'm changing gear to other things now. Um, but I, I have um, had a, an opportunity through that study to kind of build up my library in that area and to dip continually into a number of very wonderful books that I've, I've enjoyed hugely on that theme. Um, and so I, I have been sort of expanding my horizons on that, but both in new things and in old things. And I'll, I'll I'll mention a couple. I mean, on the attributes of God, many will be familiar with um, A.W. Pink and and uh, A.W. Tozer uh, on the on the knowledge of the holy and the attributes of God. And and those those two works, I've I've been finding very rich and pastoral, very very accessible, but uh, but good resources that I've I've been enjoying dipping into over the time. Those are very well known and, and widely available. A work that I've been discovering and enjoying a huge amount that I, I I'm 
embarrassed to admit I hadn't read actually before this study is the Puritan Thomas Watson's uh, work, A Body of Divinity, which is um, it's really a common commentary on the Westminster Confession. Um, but it's fantastic. Uh, so rich, so concise, um, so theological and so pastoral. And if you I think this was actually the first book that the Banner of Truth ever published was Watson's A Body of Divinity. And if you don't have that, I would commend that to you. I I found that to be so rich. And I've been using that, engaging that quite a lot through this series. Another book, which I saw you, I think, had a photograph of, brother, recently on your Twitter feed, was Matthew Barrett's None Greater. Did I see that there? The Undomesticated Attributes of God. I've been enjoying Barrett on this very much, and I found him very helpful um, in thinking about the attributes of God. And that's been a rich study for me. Enjoyed that hugely. I'll mention, I'll mention one more book, which is not just on this theme, but I recently added to my library and I think is, is very good. Um, and it's, it's a project that is in process with Crossway, but it's Beek and Smalley's Reformed Systematic Theology. It's a major new systematic theology. I've only got volume one. Conveniently, that covers theology proper, um, God himself. And so I've been able to work through my series with that in hand largely. But I've been enjoying that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, the other volumes uh, appear uh, of, of that systematic. That's excellent. I'll, I'll be sure to put those in the show notes so people can have access to them. Now, regarding the Beaky and Smalley, I'm encouraged by that book because you have, you have a paedo-baptist and you have a baptist who have come together to write a book on systematic theology. So that's awesome. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for jumping on here. And uh, we will do a giveaway of this book uh, for anyone who shares this episode. So if you're listening, be sure to share it and uh, get a chance to uh, win uh, one of the books. So Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Chance, thank you for the privilege and, and for the privilege of working together on this project. I'm so grateful. 